What's going on, everybody? Welcome to TRB. That's right. It's the Resistance Broadcast. We are a Star Wars podcast, and we're here to talk to you about that movie franchise we love so, so much. And today we have a pretty interesting discussion. Uh, Star Wars is moving forward. They're branching out. They're going back in the past. They're going forward. Uh, Ahsoka's coming out, which I don't think a lot of general audiences know. So the question is, does Star Wars need to attract general audiences without legacy characters and how do they do that because grogu's don't grow on trees that was a, a wonderful <laughs> thing but we'll see what they do as we continue to move forward beyond our legacy characters in our future story so welcome everybody to the podcast i'm john that's james that's lacy uh and i have to say a, a very special happy birthday to my older sister autumn it is her birthday today, so happy birthday, Autumn. I know my nephew watches and listens. I'm not sure if my sister does, but uh, Cole, you can tell your mom that I said happy birthday on the podcast. Um, happy birthday. I've met you once, but happy birthday. Once, yes. <laughs> uh, well, oh, oh, at my birthday party? Is that where you met her? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so here's the deal. James, you are a Ahsoka fan. I don't want to get too uh, into the woods on our discussion um, but do you f- have this feeling that your general audiences don't really have too much of an idea of who she is and what she's about in one or two sentences? Go. So what's funny is when I was presented with this, I started thinking, I started doing the, you know, uh, skeleton crew versus Mandalorian thing, like, you know, and, uh, I was like, is Ahsoka a legacy character? I mean, she's been around for so long and in so much content that it's kind of hard to not mm. put it into category that's saying the show is being led by this very well fan driven character. Mm. But general would, audiences would also yeah. say no. I so it's like, no. I don't know. It's tough. She's kind of that weird in between. But I think legacy characters are George Lucas characters oh, from to- the totally. And I get, I get now it. Yeah. he helped create her, but yeah. 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 Um, so. Lacey, first of all, welcome back again. Uh, Thank you. You did miss our discussion uh, last week, so it's good to have you back on the Monday show. Um, are you, how, from um, a scale of one to 10, how excited are you uh, to do Will of the Force this week? I'd say a seven. All right, seven's not bad. I gave the Flash, I saw the Flash finally. I gave it a seven out of 10. I didn't think it was as good as people made it out to be. But isn't that general made it out to be good? <laughs> yeah, I didn't see anybody talking about. Oh, it no. Before the whole hype about that movie was that it was so great that they were going to go forward with it no matter what. Uh, All I keep seeing the, is the clip uh, of the babies falling out of the hospital. Yet some of the effects were like really weird and not, and like not finished. And I no, know there were a lot of issues there. with uh, times and schedules and stuff. But uh Overall, uh, it was good seeing Michael Keaton back and stuff like that, but the movie wasn't uh, all that great. But anyway, the story about Barry and his parents is compelling, but beyond that. Um, well, I, I definitely would then rate this a 10 out of 10 because it's better than yeah. The Flash. All right. Here we go. So if you're better saying The Flash is a 7, then I got to make this a 10. All right. 10 out of 10. James, why don't we do that 10 out of 10 segment right now? Right now. I fear nothing for all this as the Force wills it. All right, guys. Uh, by the way, I wanted to mention, if you do enjoy the podcast and everything that we do here, please consider supporting DRB on Patreon at patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Tiers start at just $5 and get, get you access to exclusive podcast episodes 
and even more benefits than that, including uh, submitting topics to this safe segment, Will of the Force. Uh, so, you know, go check it out. Patreon.com slash resistance broadcast and join the resistance. Um, woo, we're going to actually do one of those questions right now uh kick it off with one of our patreon submitted questions this one coming from general mike ramore aka spice runner michael fry um both no are, i'm sorry not aka whoa hold on <laughs> i was like i didn't know he went by a different name. that was such a confident like, that, AKA. Make any I love that, was, that was a confident <laughs> <laughs> um it, it what john what what it says here is and in all capital letters so general mike ramore and spice runner michael fry both actually had the same question uh and normally that doesn't happen so we don't normally write it in but i thought that's what was going on um <laughs> i saw i saw it earlier too so it's all my fault anyway um they had the same question and the question is uh will disney sell to apple and not only that but we got that question as one of our super chats on friday or thursday for the uh, trb live show so we definitely got to talk about this danny we definitely got to talk about this um lacy uh do you want to go first on this one what do you think no john Uh, can go first john will Uh, disney sell to apple uh, I don't think so. I think that's a scare tactic, like when George Steinbrenner used to threaten to move the Yankees to New Jersey or something. Um, I I think they put stuff out there to see what the public perception would be and stuff like that. But and if they did, I I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of conglomerates, and I already feel like Disney's big enough as it is. And people complain about Disney being this big bad studio that ruins things. And if they sell it to Apple, it's only going to get worse from the fan perspective. Uh, I don't know how interested Apple is in that element of things, entertainment, theme parks beyond what they're already doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know enough. I'm just going to say I don't think so. So I'm going to say no. Um, Lacey, you want me to go? Yeah, you go, because I, I think that you're going to say the opposite. Um, no, I, I don't think they will, oh. actually. Um, my my thing is, it, it I always find it interesting that Apple has that money. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. they think of Disney mm-hmm. as just like the biggest corporation in the world, but like Apple's so much bigger than them that they would just right. like buy them. Um, Didn't they just I think have that some type an, of milestone or something in money, like Three trillion. Three, three trillion. Yeah, they yeah. crossed three trillion. They crossed one trillion and two trillion, like really back to back, and then now three trillion again. So right. like they're real, they're growing extremely fast um, still. Right. And and the John says I don't know why they they would want to buy Disney. For me, the reason they would want to buy Disney is because as Apple moves forward it seems like with the biggest thing that they're trying to grow more than just iphones alone which is over 50 percent of the revenue they are also trying to grow services and one of the services that they're pushing right now is apple tv plus and with apple tv plus they're bringing on tons of talent and spending lots of money on features and they're trying to get them in into theaters and they're going for the um uh, award prestige too with like Coda and now they've got um, um, uh, gosh I can't think of it um, Napoleon coming out oh, you know right. and that's getting a wide release and it's the first time a streaming service has done a wide release to that level um, 
I think that Disney and Apple have always been like best friends uh, with how they incorporate. Um, like I've got Toy Story watch faces and Toy Story was always like a big well, part Steve of Jobs Steve Jobs. Yeah. Yeah. All that. Obviously, there's a reputation there. But the only the only thing that I would think Apple would be interested in is in Disney media. So they would be interesting in trying to wrap up Disney Plus and Hulu and maybe ESPN into some of Apple's services in which case they would do that well. And then they would also have all these parks and stuff, which I would they just assume they'd just run on their own. And maybe they could bring their technology in, but they're already doing that because you can get your passes and stuff. Anyway, this is a long-winded way to saying, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think more likely they would probably just work with them to be like, let's continue to make sure that Disney uh, partners with Apple in the best ways possible that are best for both of our businesses. And that goes to show like they just announced the Vision Pro and they did a whole presentation with Bob Iger on stage or in the video, not on stage, but like in the video talking about mm. Disney Plus is going to be a launch partner for Apple Vision Pro and all this. It's like, I don't think they're going to sell. I think it's just they're going to continue to be best friends for a long time. Yeah, I think you make some good points there. I think you both do. But the thing that kind of sticks out to me is what James was just saying is that it seems not necessarily that the parks would be the benefit to Apple, but more of the content services type stuff is where Apple yeah. wants to expand. And as we know, based on SEC, I think, filings this past week with Disney is that they're saying that they're going to be pulling even more content from Disney+. Plus. Because they're, quote, curating what's on there and making it a better experience. I could totally see them bailing on Disney Plus and just merging with Apple on that front. I could see them just saying, you know what? We got into the content game. We thought we could handle it. We've had some successes. We've had more failures than anything else. We're losing, you know, steam here. Let's just license all our stuff to Apple. Because already you're seeing them pulling content that should have been Disney only, Disney Plus only content and throwing it on Hulu. Like they're starting to do uh, Secret Invasion, Secret whatever, that show. Yeah, yeah. They're putting it up on Hulu. They're putting Miss Marvel on ABC Network on cable TV. So clearly there's an issue there. Because if you're taking your content that's behind a paywall and putting it in places that people can watch either for free or close to free, because a lot of Hulu stuff like comes included in other things. Why would you keep developing this content? And then if you go back to Bob's recent comments with the writer strike and the, the actor strike where he said some terrible things, included in that was also saying that they were going to pull back, you know, content creation and um, money into streaming content. So if they're reworking that plan as well, which Chapik was all about. He was like full steam ahead on that. I could see them turning around and saying, look, we're not selling all of Disney to Apple, but we're giving them the ability to stream that stuff and we're going to work out a partnership where we team up together. Because I don't see them giving up the parks because yeah. those just make money <laughs> at this point. And it's really their biggest moneymaker. Like it's a consistent thing for them where they're, al they're always going to make money on the parks. Um, so I but wonder, it's really up to investors, I guess, but I think you, they will, but only the content, not the parks. 
So not so much selling the company, but you think that there's a possibility that they would a either give them exclusive rights to right. uh, like Disney Plus content, or they would maybe Sports. shut down um, Disney Plus altogether and say, if you want Disney Plus content, you can get it on Apple TV Plus. Yeah. I think they could yeah, because everything is pointing that they're trying to figure out how to manage Disney Plus. I think yeah. they're in over their heads and I think they have and good stuff there, obviously. But with them taking Willow off and taking these movies off that they had just made and having people like um, John Caston saying, oh, well, don't worry, guys, you could probably see it again. This isn't the end of this project. Who's to say it won't show up on Apple? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like we just we just saw this kind of recently. Like, there's a lot of social media startups that like take a while to build, and then Threads comes in, and they're like, "We already have a well-established system that we." Yeah, your get, audience you know, is coming right over. We have yeah. the money to just launch a new system or a new social media. Apple is sort of that company too. Like, it can like as much as successful as we think Disney Plus is. It's still a new streaming service that have kind of come in and they're spending a bunch of money to try to get their footing and hopefully they recoup that. If they find themselves getting a little bit over their heads, it's very easy to go to a company who who literally, as we just discussed, has three trillion dollars who can just say, "We'll float you for a while." Like, come over to us, we'll give you the money, we'll help you out, we'll get your streaming service back to where it could be, and then maybe they can pull like a Chipotle when they bought themselves out of the McDonald's contract eventually. Maybe Disney Plus can at some point get those license rights back from Apple if they need the help for a little while. Well, my whole thing too is like... Without having to sell the company, you know? Yeah, yeah. It just seems like to me that they aren't seeing the success they wanted in these shows and in these movies on Disney plus. So instead of dumping more money in or trying to rework it, the smartest plan would be to cut and run, you know, to cut what your losses are and then figure out how to rework it in a way that's going to make you money. And that way is through another streaming service. Yeah. I just remember Bob saying his legacy was going to be Disney plus and it would suck if he his legacy actually was him selling to Apple or sell or shutting down Disney plus and effectively giving all But if his legacy is seen as like the vision thing, he could see it as a technological advancement and not a failure. And I don't know if he has the power to do that because it says the Vanguard group is the main shareholder of Disney and he's appointed CEO by the board. So I don't know. Bob can't just be like, I'm selling Disney. Like it's up to the shareholders, main shareholders. Right. But if he's saying, Hey, I can recruit some of our losses by selling the stuff to Apple just for their streaming service. Those people might be like, yes, I want my money. He would, he would have a plan in, in, you know, it's not just saying like, I'm selling this and getting out of here, running away. I'm sure what his plan would ultimately be is like, this is the best thing for all of you guys. Right. Could you imagine those commercials? It's like now on Apple TV. It's like, you're like, oh, okay. Now I got to watch it. Because Disney right now is not uh, doing great. And uh, I don't think the stock's as high as it has been in past years. Netflix just tanked too. So if I was a massive investment company and i had the main shares of disney i'd be like we're not selling right now i'm gonna wait till you pick this thing back up and then we could talk about it but it's not gonna be one of those we're not doing well we have to sell things i i mean i mean you know i'm not the biggest you know stock and financial wizard but it just that just seems like logical to me Mm. anyway 
We aren't you that just was gotta, one of Will. I know, but you just got to remember <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, these people want money. So if there's money right. involved. But that'd be t- taking losses on probably those investments. Like, I think we're looking at the, at the perspective of where Disney is at and does it make sense for them to make a decision to move towards Apple? But right. I'm also looking at it in the position of like, what is Apple going to do? Like, where's what's Apple's perspective on like, forget the position that Disney is in. Like, they're looking at that company. Why do they want that company? You know, and that's why I'm thinking the only thing I can come up with is the services and to and with just that being the the one aspect that they want, I don't think they have any, they, it would be more likely that they would just work out a negotiation with them to do something yep. on that end rather than buying the company just to have that. Um, unless there's something I'm just completely not seeing altogether mm-hmm. where like they do plan on having everybody who comes to Disney World have a, has a Vision Pro or something. I don't know. Some crazy right, world. Right. Where all the uh, magic bands are iPhone, iWatches or whatever, Apple Watches. Apple Watches. Well, I mean, they sort of already are. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Is they've uh, they've been such good friends with Disney for a long time that they already have incorporated a lot of the magic band features into Apple Watch already. The magic band things down. when you tap in look just like like an Apple type of tap in. Like even the logo of Mickey Mouse's head looks like what an Apple would look like. I don't oh, yeah. walk down yeah, Main Street like USA the and stuff, see like yeah. an Apple store. Like, I just don't want to see that. <laughs> the Star- <laughs> the Starbucks is as annoying as it is, but, you know. You say uh, that, sad. but you always make a stop there. I always got to stop yeah. at the Starbucks. I know, but why not make it something else? Anyway. I would think if it, if it was an Apple store, I would be bummed. But if it was like an Apple Disney are. experience, <laughs> I'd be like, this is sweet. Yeah, This is cool. Um, all right, moving on to the next one. Uh, that That's a good topic, though. I feel like we could go for a long time on something like I that. I feel like we did, yeah. <laughs> well, I oh, feel like we could go a long time. All right. Um, mm. All right, if, uh, let's do this one, too. If the strikes last through the end of 2023, do you still think that the next Star Wars movie will still hit its current release date of May 2026? Um, Lacey, you skipped on going first last time so what do you think about this one no i don't think it will i think it's already in jeopardy of not hitting that date um i don't think the studios and producers thought that the actors would go on strike i thought that they were like oh the writers are doing their thing we're gonna see how long they go but the actors were fine and the actors were like nah dog we're going on strike too i think that caught them very much off guard i don't think they expected them to do that and um Supposedly, they're already losing studios like $600,000 a day on this strike. And my response is, first of all, if this strike means that all those people, which you have to think that 81% of the people that work in the SAG, AFRA group, are the background actors that are looking to get healthcare and basic needs, don't get what they're asking for then I don't think we should get a movie in May 2026. I'm totally fine with waiting on this movie until the people get what they deserve. So no, I don't think they're going to get what it's going to show up in May 2026. I think that the strike's going to go on a little bit longer than people think it is. Because I think, first of all, the actors have done a great thing by standing with the writers because it's given them more leverage. But I don't think the studios are going to back down so easily. So no, we will not. John, same thoughts? No? Different? 
No. So if the strike ends by the end of 2023 and we have... They, they have agreements in place with the unions and everyone is satisfied and going back to work to kick off 2024. Um, I would think they would need to start filming this movie if they don't want to do a rush job because Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, I think, were like a year, a little over a year and a half before it came out that it's, they started filming those. Right. I think they needed a two-year before release date like George Lucas did. Mm-hmm. So like 97 to 99, 2000 to 2002, 2003, 2005. So if a deal is in place, never goes back to work, you know, whoever's writing that movie is still writing it as they're striking. People are working. We've talked to people who are like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're doing their things that they already pre agreed upon, but they're not out there talking about doing new projects. I would like to think that there's something concrete for a, for a script and even if it wasn't you still have five months to finish that up um they finished the script for nine whether you loved it or not in six months five months uh if they're able to roll in may of 2024 i think they'll hit that date now the history of lucasfilm and movie dates isn't great so that's a different animal but in just this bubble for this question I personally think it will hit that date if all those things are in place. I hope so. Yeah. I say no as well. And I say part of that is because I'm surprised that this movie is even sitting in May of 2026 as it is. Whereas they have traditionally discovered December is the new place to release movies. And they only tried one movie in May and it didn't work, you know, or they felt, (laughs) uncomfortable about the way that movie was released and the general public responded to box office. So I'm surprised that the movie's even sitting in May 2026 right now, which guarantees for me that if they were able, even if it did go all the way through the end of 2023, but was resolved somewhere around the beginning of 2024, I think they still push the movie to at least December of 2026. Buying them more time. I agree with that. I say say no, it's not going to hit May 2026. And they'll feel better about the box office as well. Because there, uh, what's the story on this too? There is another movie sitting in t- December 2026 right now, right? There's an, Yes, there's another Star Wars at de- December 2026. The May 2026 one is behind Deadpool and Avengers. Yeah. I thought it was May, May and December. I thought it was May. May, 26th. December, December. Oh, okay. Yeah, May, December. So what I think is this one gets moved back and then they push the other two as well. I know (laughs) they they already gave this movie's literal release date to Avatar Avatar that was December 2025 I still gotta watch that it's exactly like the first one in a good way (laughs) oh no it's three three hours longer what are you talking about three hours longer than the first Avatar yeah it's six hours and 19 minutes front to back okay. i thought um, it was four hours no it's like three no, and a half it's three and a half movie. Yeah. yeah it's a long movie but i'm just saying it's like, it's just it like if you didn't like the first one you're not gonna like this one it's like the same no, problems with the, the story one. but it's like about the, the visual one. effects yeah james um, cameron was right. like you want to go pee during my movie go do it i don't care 
<laughs> just don't do it in the water because we're going to be filming there for yes. two years. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right. And and hopefully no drugs on on this set. No submersibles either. Yeah. Um, all right. Patreon submission. Another one coming from one of our patrons. Uh, this one from Major John Forsyth. John asks the question: uh, How much will the viewership numbers for Ahsoka be affected by the strikes? Considering no actors or writers can promote it, and is or and there is liable to be backlash against the studios and stuff like that. So what is the possibility that uh, maybe some backlash against the studios mixed with the actors not being able to promote what's going on as well as the writers? Um, what do you think, John, about this one? I don't think, if we're being honest, audiences don't care about um, people being on strike and stuff like that. General nope. audiences don't care at all. They want their content that they pay for. So they're not going to not watch a show on a service they pay for because there's people on strike. So that factor doesn't matter. Um, I, I think the viewership with Ahsoka could be affected because general audiences don't really know Ahsoka. We're and, a month out and they really haven't done much. Well, but also like, uh, like I always use the litmus test, litmus test of like my brother and, and, and he's not, doesn't talk about it at all. And um, I don't know how interested he was in like something like Andor. So it, it's a nice lead in to what our discussion is going to sort of be about. Um, but I, I, I'm going in with modest expectations on Ahsoka. I don't think it's going to do major viewership numbers like uh, the first couple of seasons of Mando uh, I think Obi-Wan did pretty well, but we obviously know why, because you had Obi-Wan and Vader. But so I, I don't think it has anything to do with the strikes. If if the viewership isn't great for Ahsoka, I'm not going to chalk it up to the strikes. So that's my answer. Plus, plus, is... plus, plus sorry, the, the striking uh, unions don't want people to boycott stuff. They're not asking for boycotts. This is a labor this issue, is... so... This is tricky too because this could also, and I'm not, I'm this almost isn't part of the question, but like this is one of those situations where if a show underperforms, they have reasons to say, well, here's why, you know what I mean? And I'm that's, buy that. I know, I know that's the case, but you know how it is sometimes where it's like, oh, well, it was our first, we tried to do a female led show, and no, nobody watched it for that reason or whatever. And it might just be that the show's not good, you know? Like, I'm not saying the show is going to be bad, but I'm saying that if the viewership numbers for Ahsoka are low, it feels like they have lots of reasons to to get out of it, including the fact that, well, we weren't able to promote the show with our actors and our writers. And there was online backlash about not watching the show and all this, even if that really didn't affect their numbers at all. And it's probably just because people were uninterested. I don't think this... The, the question being, will it will this strike affect the show? I don't think it will because the marketing of the right. show is still going to be the marketing of the show. Yes, you don't have your actors saying things, but they'll just put more money into more social media, whatever, or something. You know, They'll figure out a way to just try to get people to be aware that the show is coming out on that day. You should go and watch it. Um, Lacey, what do you think? Or do you, or do you think that the writers and actors would have a say in the direct correspondence to how many people are going to tune in. Uh, first of all, John, thank you for the question. Really appreciate it. Thanks for supporting us. Um, I think this is a great question. And I think 
Disney and people involved are concerned about this. Um, rightfully so. I also, going back to my strike answer a little bit, um, I kind of hope it does because then it shows you that writers and actors are needed and they should get paid. Um, but besides that, uh, I think it will because you won't have Rosario Dawson on every late night show on every Good Morning America, BuzzFeed puppy interview. You won't see her little clips everywhere. You know, thinking back to The Mandalorian or any kind of like, especially Barbie. We were talking about Barbie Obi-Wan. the other day. Obi-Wan too, but like with Barbie That's specifically because it's so recent yeah. for me. They had Ryan Gosling and, and Margot Robbie on every single thing you could have. News, uh, talk shows, in like Instagram feeds, uh, all different types of things. So when you don't have your main cast supporting that and having those moments that are shareable that get to the general audience, it's going to affect the the views because there's no hype around it. So, you know, Rosario Dawson's been on the picket line, rightfully so. And I don't think you're going to see her promote this movie if, or not this movie, this show, if um, they don't reach a, a agreement, which I don't think they will. Cause we're, again, we're only a month out. Mm-hmm. So, I think a piece of this, John, patron John, is that I don't think the writers are necessarily the biggest issue with this. It's the actors. Once you get the actors not being able to promote and being the face of this thing, you lose it. You don't get people involved. And I agree with James. I think they can throw probably tons of money behind ads and SEO and social stuff like that. And they probably have clips that they shot on the set, which I'm pretty sure they're going to probably leverage throughout this process if they can't have the actors they can probably use gallery stuff that they shot or behind the scenes clips or something and they'll probably annotate like hey this was filmed prior to the strike but i mean not having rosario dawson do the puppy interviews on buzzfeed do cause an issue because you know if my dad knows about something or you know my coworker who doesn't know anything about star wars is telling me about something they saw on buzzfeed or hot ones and everybody's seen the Hot Ones interviews with Jennifer Lawrence. I think that affects things. That's where we are in marketing. So, yeah, I think that this will impact viewership. And it makes me sad because I know that there's a lot of love and passion that went into the series. And I think it deserves the attention of new viewers, especially because I feel like Ahsoka is one of those characters that people really connect with. But you can't argue that marketing is there for a reason and as someone that's in marketing yeah this is a big deal Hmm. look at the haunted mansion they had like mickey on the red carpet (laughs) did they really yeah they had i don't think that haunted mansion is gonna do well at all but it could have because it had a a lot of star power in it but no i'm not even talking about the the strike i'm just talking about the movie in general my wife said she's interested to I would I wouldn't mind go to see it too, but it's too scary for Bennett. So I'm like, well then this is tricky because it's like it seems like it's supposed to be a Yeah, I read movie, it was a little scary. Not. I read it was a little so, scary. I mean, he saw the trailer and he was like, I don't want to watch that. And I was like <laughs> I'm like, that's I don't know. I, I feel I like I'm interested in the movie to some degree because it's got a lot of actors in it, but it doesn't it doesn't make me feel like it's going to do well when you think like how they could have done a family friendly, you know, movie that right. was just kind of like spooky or whatever. You mean like, of course the they Lord tried Murphy? that. Yeah. They, they sort yeah. of tried it and it didn't work then either, you know, but 
Um, all right. Well, that's another huge topic. All this writer strike stuff is crazy because it gives us a lot of speculation. Like, will X meet date? You know, but and it just um, shows you how important each piece of the puzzle is when it comes to these productions. That I think a lot of people tend to overlook. It's like the visual effects people are just as important as the actors, as the writers, as the producers, as the directors. As you know, so when one piece goes missing and then two pieces go missing, and now you have visual effects people that are saying, "Hey, we need to form a union and go on strike ourselves." Those are big pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago too. Like I think we're real, we're on the verge of the uh, visual effects industry also going on strike against. Well, they need a union first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Last question though, for will the force Uh, will, and this is back to just normal star Wars speculation. (laughs) Will the Mandalorian Din Djarin specifically and Grogu appear in any episode of the skeleton crew? Uh, John, what do you think about these characters showing up in the Skeleton Crew television show? I think so. <laughs> I, I think I think they will. I think there'll be one episode where they appear, whether that's on Navarro with sort of a, a crossover with what's going on with those pirates, because uh, Mando was heavily involved as uh, sort of an antagonist against the pirates in a way to protect uh, Grief Karga. And Navarro. And also just the marketability, you know, getting those two on screen. Uh, you want people to check out another new show around the holidays. There's a lot coming out. There's a lot going on. Uh, come watch this show. We have Grogu in it. Check it out. Uh, I think that would make sense. They filmed it uh, in that same uh, bubble of the Mandoverse. Um, it's all ties in. So it would make sense for an episodic cameo of some sort for Mando and Grogu to appear this week. Grogu and Mandalorian return in the skeleton crew because we don't know when Mandalorian season four is coming out. It's going to be a long time before we see Grogu again. And uh, aside from Darth Vader's silhouette and and breathing and that dark black helmet, uh, Grogu is now the most current marketable star Wars character. So everybody I, knows who Grogu is. I, I think, I think yeah. they, they, you know, when you think about the rumors about whether it was forced in for them to be reunited in book of Boba Fett, forced the studio, in. yeah, there it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think it makes, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, not as much from the creative perspective, though it does tie in because of the Mandoverse, but because of just, drawing people to a streaming service that is bleeding right now. So I'm going to say yes. Lacey? Yeah, I have to agree with John. I definitely think, yes, the Mandalorian and Grogu will appear in an episode of Skeleton Crew. I, my daughter's obsessed with Grogu. She's stolen all my Grogu stuff out of my office and it sits downstairs on a shelf. And like both of my parents know who Grogu is because Daisy knows who Grogu is. And she's like, it's Grogu. And then now they know who that is. They know it's with the Mandalorian. They don't know anything about the show except Grogu. So I just think that, like John was saying, it's so marketable. And then with the book of Boba Fett was a prime example of like at the end of one episode, they just played the notes like the woo, woo, woo. And everybody freaked out because everyone was like, you know what that means. He's mm-hmm. coming back. And when he showed up in the book of Boba Fett through that plastic like grocery store, <laughs> like meat market door, mm-hmm. um, I, me included, I lost my mind. I was like, this is the best because he's become such a top tier character. He's on everything. Like Disney puts him in everything now because he's so marketable 
and especially with Grogu. I mean, they still make so many toys with Grogu. It's like you can never have enough toys. And they broke canon by putting them in the parks now, at least on West on Disney. Yeah, so like with Boba Fett, they have him on the one side. It it would make perfect sense to have him in this because then there's that connect connectivity that they keep talking about with John Favreau's like Mandoverse, right? And they said mm-hmm. that this was part of that. So that means that they have to show up in some way. Yeah, I mean, I have I have more thoughts on this, but we it can all lead into the discussion. The the biggest thing for me is I think they probably will show up in the skeleton crew just mm-hmm. for sheer like take a step back and look at like what a company does to like create um, synergy or whatever. Um, that show uh, is the only show that Disney Plus has released. Um, well, to be fair, I guess Mandalorian didn't, but it now is the number one thing, so it's kind of unrated in that way but i was gonna say it's the only show they have that isn't that doesn't have some type of previous tie with ahsoka having you know ahsoka being in whatever she's in plus rebels and stuff uh you got obi-wan you've got uh Andor, you know ties to the yeah. movies it, it like with all boba fett like boba fett is boba fett right that name alone could help move people into watching the show right skeleton crew right now is the only one that's like nothing like there's no ties to anything so it's sort of a hopeful bet at this point um and the best thing they can do probably for it is put their number one character in this time period in that show somehow to boost uh they can easily have grogu interact with the kids too yeah it it does it does make me interested though because we're getting to that point now where it's like you could have Ahsoka show up, you could have Boba Fett show up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you could have Grief Karga show up, you but know? you can't like, have you can't have him appear in the other unknown, the Acolyte, because he's not alive yet. So it's right, got to be yeah. this one, or that's it. Yeah, but um, but as far as like Mandoverse stuff, that era, uh, we're definitely getting to a point now where it's not just like will the Mandalorian show up in Boba Fett? It's like now we're starting to get into like Ahsoka characters, Mandalorian characters, Boba Fett characters, skeleton mm-hmm. crew characters could show back up in Mandalorian or Boba Fett or Ahsoka or, you know what I mean? It, right, it starts right. to get interesting. John, um, I think that would be a perfect spot to lead into as we wrap up Will the Force to move into the discussion, which is just a greater version of this, right? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Obi-Wan once thought as you do. All right. Nostalgia rules all right now, but sometimes nostalgia doesn't always translate into success. Look at the recent stumbles of The Flash and even Indiana Jones, the unflappable Indiana Jones, stumbling at the box office. Star Wars, for the most part, has kept most of its major productions somewhat tied, uh, some a lot, some a little, to the legacy timelines and characters, but the bigger tests are coming, specifically with James Mangold's story exploring the very beginning of the discovery of the Force 25,000 years before we met that farm boy staring at the twin sunset on Tatooine. So let's talk about the importance of Star Wars being able to connect with general audiences, not us, not you. We're always going to be there. Those general audiences, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your friends who like Star Wars, but need to have a reason to dial in 
or go to the, the movies or go on Disney plus. Um, and because like I said before, Grogu's happen once a generation, you know, you have a Darth Vader, you have a Grogu. It's hard to, to get that type of, you have your Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. You get, you have, it's hard to get that <laughs> transcendent type of character that people see in that explodes beyond star Wars into pop culture. Uh, so, they need to figure out a way and how important is it? So uh, with everything that's going on right now with the uh, uneasiness and our feelings, and we talked a lot about it on Thursday about the future of the movies and the shows and Lando and all that stuff that's going on. Um, let's just have a chat about it, about the importance of reaching those audiences as Star Wars moves forward, because it seems like even things that feel like it's this new, fresh thing really isn't. Mandalorian brought in Luke Skywalker. Lacey famously said that we have this fresh new character and then we bring in all these characters and or, you know, I don't know what people like they, they are tricked by it or something. It's going to it's part of Rogue One. It's that Rogue One is the crawl for a new hope. Uh, so everything's very heavily still connected to what we've gotten before and especially the uh, OG classic stuff. So um, what does Star Wars have to do? Is it marketing like we talked about before? Do they need to do a better job of marketing newer characters and making them legacy characters? James, you touched on the possibility of is Ahsoka considered a legacy character? And that's a good debate to have. So uh, I'm, I'm kicking it off there. I, I personally think that there needs to be a change in how Star Wars is treated. It's no longer the guarantee that it once was. Um, and no movie is now. Like I said, look what happened to Indiana Jones. It really I isn't. Think, yeah. I think after TFA and Rogue One, they got very cozy and thought, we can just churn these babies out and we're getting billion, 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 billion. And now audiences are like, you need to give me a bigger reason to go to that theater. And even Tom Cruise. I mean, I'm not saying the Mission Impossible movies were always big, giant box office draws. I don't know that one ever crossed a billion. But... Mm. Tom Cruise is stumbling a little bit right now. I, I don't think Dead Reckoning is doing all that hot compared to, you know, what Top Gun Maverick did. I so think, what, yeah. what is it? What is it? Top Gun did so well, I think, because it didn't necessarily bank on nostalgia. There was touches of it, but it was original in its own way. And I think that that movie was an example of people went to it and I'm included in that were people that went to it that weren't gigantic Top Gun 1 fans, you know, um, and were surprised at how good it was. So then they left and they were telling everyone, you have to go see this. Yeah. And I feel like that's where we're at with movies and TV is it's definitely a word of mouth thing. And that's not just that. I'm saying that's with everything nowadays. But what people need to remember as someone who's in social media People's attention span right now on social media is three to five seconds. If you don't capture someone's attention within three to five seconds, they, they've already moved on. Gen Z is even worse. It's 1.3 seconds. So when you have an audience that's been trained at this point to have such short attention spans on social media apps, you need to have good marketing and you had need to have good trailers. You need to make an event of it like they did with you know Barbie and Oppenheimer or whatever. People need to feel like they're missing out if they're not going to these things. And yeah. I think that Disney has for a long time now banked on the fact of we're Disney. This is Star Wars. This is Marvel. 
This is Indiana Jones. People just like these things. And I think they did the same thing with Ghostbusters, to be honest, is that people are like, oh, everybody likes Ghostbusters. No, people like good storytelling. People like good movies. They want to have fun. They want to learn something along the way. You know, they want to leave feeling like they've gained something. And I feel like people have been banking on nostalgia for so long that people are getting sick of it. Like the the 80s have been so played out with like Stranger Things and everything that it's it's tough to look at movies coming out that are trying to get back to that 80s vibe and not be like, okay, we're past this. And I know for a fact that Disney gave kind of like panels and talks and interviews from their executive team and like in their marketing team about how their plan for the next five to 10 years was to basically cater to like millennials and a little older, like Gen X, like nostalgia. They were like, oh yeah, we're just going back to those ideas that what, you know, like the Lizzie McGuire show and like all these things that like they think because we grew up with it, we're automatically going to love it. And I think that audiences have gotten smarter and they've said, hey, I'm picking and choosing what I'm going to watch. There's so many options. Therefore, I don't think Lucasfilm can bank on legacy characters because look at Obi-Wan. Like it did well, but I don't think it was the best show that they've done. I felt like it was kind of just okay. I feel like as someone that loves Solo and wants more of Solo, people have complained like, oh, we didn't need a Solo story. To me, it wasn't even Han Solo that was the best part. It was all the new characters that we've never seen before. And it was a story we've never heard before. So that's where it gets a little different. It's like when you're taking something and making it brand new, that's when it's cool. If you're just giving me the same story over and over and over again, like, which is some of the critiques with the sequel trilogy, that's when people get annoyed. And that's the hurdle, you know, James, you know, I want to bring you in because Star Wars hasn't taken the that risk yet, that leap yet. Everything's been somewhat connected to something. The leap that we was knew, Last so. Jedi, basically, was what Ryan did, which whether you like it or not, it was a leap. But the lead role in the movie was Luke Skywalker still. Yes. So yes, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. So what? What? what uh, I, you know, what does Star I would Wars say, do to to get people in? Honestly, to, I would say that. the leap for Star Wars was Rogue One, and sure. they, they. Oh. But even then, I they banked on Darth Vader. You yeah. you guys always say that, but I I don't think that was so much them doing that. I mean, they they had a movie that was like very heavily around like all these different characters that that was no. the thing about it well whatever uh, no. okay, they put star they put darth vader in the movie for a few minutes and now all of a sudden it's completely squashed it was but, the marketing it was the marketing was very Darth. there vader. was like one trailer with darth vader like breathing no it was multiple there were multiple trailers and they banked on the death star like that's nostalgia they had tarkin death star vader i mean it's it's very tied to what existed I guess. Story-wise, I agree with you, James. I think there were a lot of risks that they took with that story. I'm saying if we're talking marketing to general audiences, it was very much like, hey, you know the Star Wars that you like? This is like that. Um, when it comes to this stuff, I think that what Disney needs to do is like, you, you mentioned something, Lacey, about um, audiences are smarter now and they're choosing the right stuff. I don't know if it's so much that I agree with a lot of what you said, but, but my point I don't think, be right. Leading. I said, they're just picking and choosing what they like. Yeah. But there's so I many think options. The biggest, 
that's what it is. I think it's yeah. not so much like their intelligence of like, it used to be this way. And now they're like, don't just force feed me that they're going to pick whatever they like. It's because there's so much content now mm-hmm. to that's competing against this stuff. Um, it's, it's now harder to get somebody to come in and see that Lizzie McGuire movie because when they would have done it before, it would have been one of like, you know, 20 but, movies that were released that year or whatever. The topic though of it, because we're talking about selection now and the failures of legacy characters not holding the audience. The point of this is how can Star Wars move on and be a viable franchise without legacy characters and still pull in general audiences. Yeah, I think that's th- th- those we're, are on the same track. We're, we're, we're getting, getting there. there. We're just working our way to that. Because we keep like bringing up these ones that have these big characters in it, Top Gun, sure, sure, McGuire sure. and stuff. And it's like Star Wars like isn't going to be able to do that anymore. Because well, where I'm leading with it is because I think they treat Star Wars um like you may have treated an actor or a big name A-list Hollywood actor back in the 90s. It'd be like, well, if it's got so and so in it, then we're just gonna they're just gonna come. And uh audiences are just gonna go and see it because it's the new so-and-so movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we're learning now that that's not the case anymore. There, we, you know, we're talking about Tom Cruise. People say he's probably the only one who exists anymore. Uh, no movie can rely on it on an actor. I think Disney needs to start treating Star Wars like that. It needs to be something where people are interested in seeing a movie because uh, it just it looks good. It looks like a good movie that they would want to go see, and also it's got so and so in it. Cool. Like, and also it's a Star Wars movie. Cool. Like, don't, don't say we're going to put, we're going to make something and then put Star Wars on it. And because it has Star Wars on it, people will come. It needs to be, we need to just create a really good movie. And with that being said, it almost makes me think they probably need to move out of the everything's connected canon thing. Yeah. Um, That could be. It's holding uh, a them post, back. A post Kathleen Kennedy thing. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how. Um, I really don't know if it is or is not holding them back uh, because Marvel seems to be doing fine with keeping everything in canon. But at the same time, Marvel's best movies have been the ones that fall outside of it and then they spend their time explaining how it falls in. You know what I mean? But But that's still fine. Star Wars can do that. I'm saying you don't have to, you don't have to say this movie, you know, then you don't have to go the DC route and say this movie just doesn't have anything to do with it. And that's the reason we can make it good. Yeah. 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 Or Joker or whatever. I get what you're saying. I think the point of my large tangent was, I think the way they're going to get people like you were saying, James, that are attracted to these stories without the legacy characters is to make new stories and yeah. make good stories because that's what people are looking for is good storytelling because there is so much content to watch. There are so many movies to watch. So they need a good story because once you make a good story, people are going to say it's good. They're going to talk about it. And then you're going to be like, oh, I got to go see that because everyone's talking about it. And this- we have to stop falling back on the, 
oh, it's Star Wars. So if you don't like Star Wars, you're not going to like this. It should just Mm -hmm. be the baseline, a good story, whether you're into Star Wars or not. And that's what happened with The Mandalorian. And I feel like The Mandalorian was so successful because it had the cute baby factor. Don't get me wrong. But it was a story that put everybody on an equal playing field because everybody went into it. Even if you're a big Star Wars fan or not, these were all new characters and they weren't connected to anything. And it kind of made you feel as like an outsider. Oh, do I have to watch anything to watch this? And it was like, no, you don't. Just show up. Just watch That's it. That's the baggage argument. Right. That's the like, some of these shows where they're like, like, what? okay, we're getting ready to head into uh, John Boyega possibly and Daisy sure. Ridley coming sure. back. There's baggage with that property. Yes. There's not baggage with uh, um, the 25,000 year before Jedi story. Or Skeleton just- Crew. Well, yeah, I'm going to get to Skeleton Crew. Yeah. I think that the, like when they're looking at the James Mangold thing, there is the possibility that they're that they say James Mangold just make something look cool, just make it a fun story. You can put a little Star Wars in there, but you know, when it comes to like light speed or uh lightsabers, hyperspace, all that stuff, it doesn't have to be in there. You don't have to do that. Just make a really good compelling story that looks cool and then it'll say Star Wars and people go, "Whoa, I already thought that looked cool and I was going to go see that." Plus it's Star Wars. How does that fit in with Star Wars? That's neat. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like, you know, you do the other one and you show Daisy Ridley with a lightsaber and people are like, oh, they're just hoping I go see that. Cause I like star Wars. Yeah. John, yeah that's think? unfortunate, but there's baggage now with yeah. those characters. Yeah. I think one factor that has to come into play is if this isn't possible on the way that star Wars once made bank, Sure. Then they need to look at more inexpensive ways to make their products. Oh, you know, that's like a good point. Andor, yeah, yeah. Andor costing $250 million is crazy when you think about the viewership it had. And uh, I don't see any way that that series made money for Disney because they, they're not selling merch really for it. Uh, we know the, all the deal with the action figures. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen an Andor action figure in a store. Um, and they're not selling Blu-rays. So where's the, where the, how's that series? Making yeah. They're not money? making it money. Yeah. They're not making it back. And then like, like a new hope costs $11 million to make today. That would be $55 million. Um, I know that actors get paid a lot more money, but you know, star Wars, when they first made it, those actors were nobodies. Alec Guinness was the only one and he took a percentage of the box office versus a big salary. Maybe I think Daisy only made way. like a hundred grand on force Awakens or something. Well, she was a nobody. Yeah. 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 So you got to you got to look at it that way like you're not going to be casting Robert Downey Jr's or Chris Pratt's and all in your Star Wars movies. So <laughs> right. uh so that's a factor, but in terms of yeah, reaching I agree with you guys. They need to get away from this timeline. It doesn't mean they have to move everything away. You can do some stuff in this area still and and make a movie here with Dave Filoni or something, but also do that Mangold movie. Don't make it a 300 million dollar budget. And maybe it doesn't make a billion dollars, but what if it makes 500 and your budget was 100 million? The movie's still profitable. You can then build off of that. So I, I think, like, uh, James, you're right to just make something good. And that's why I think Mangold will do that. And people will see it because it's, you know, James Mangold and it's Star Wars and it's good. And they'll market it as some fresh thing. Whereas maybe there's a certain uh, s- segment of fans who like Star Wars a bit, but they're like, 
they've made so many of those things now. Like how we feel about the High Republic sometimes. It's like it's so much. I'm I'm way behind. They lapped me like five times. I, Passing I on I, your I, left. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I yeah. Right. I I can't. I can't watch this. I can't get caught up on this. If they if they market something that's like the a new chapter in the story of star wars where everybody can feel like this is a fresh thing where we feel it fans feel it general fans feel it i think that could be a way that they do it that still gets back to your point though john is like if they do that then the fresher they get the more likely people go i didn't even know that was star wars you know or that that doesn't look star wars at all they have to market it as though star wars is just beginning again do a simple trailer with the logo, with the sound of the theme, and then be like, what is this? I don't see Luke Skywalker. I don't see this. I don't see that. And it feels like it's a new thing for everybody. They need to capture, they need to recapture our imaginations by giving us something that we don't know what we're about to experience. The tricky thing is you can never truthfully, like we talked about breaking the canon, but you can never truthfully break Star Wars totally because you can't ever reboot it. Right, but you can. I, I don't think there's ever a point where they could go like if they did like what they do with visions in live action, where they're like, "Look, we're going to take a lot of inspiration from Star Wars, and we're still going to call it Star Wars, but this movie, it won't have Luke Skywalker's or or, or even be in the same universe as any of that stuff. It's a whole new story, and you're going to try to make it connected. It's not connected. It says Star Wars. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think they'll ever do that. It will I always think, be in a world where the original trilogy happened. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I, they say it's non-canon, it's non-canon to the other stuff we've released, but it will always be canon to like George Lucas's stories, at least, I think. But if, if, if the force is the only thing that connects it, I think that's all you need. That's a through line. And, and you can still tell a completely organic news I'm story. I'm saying that's fine. I'm just saying, yeah. again, they can't like they can't do what DC does and just be like, this doesn't have anything no. to do with the any, any no. movies. Um, no, they're never going to do that. Then that's yeah. why this, that's why it's important to like, think about this because they are staying within this canon. And how do you stay fresh without relying on things that people have known for a long time? So it's, it's going not just 25,000 years in the past, go 25,000 years in the future, go way past Ray Skywalker. Go tell something way beyond. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. another another part in the galaxy. Like there's so there's so much they can do. And I love the nostalgia. I'm with you, Lacey. I love the Easter eggs. I love all that stuff. But imagine getting something in the same spirit and feel of why George Lucas made Star Wars and it being page one all over again. So but the thing is, is we love the nostalgia and Easter eggs, but general audiences don't because it makes you feel dumb and you're not in on it. They're tired of it too. Because my Jurassic husband does that when we watch stuff, and I'm like, "Oh, that's so and so." He's like, "I don't, I don't know, I don't know any of this," and it just yeah. makes you feel like you're behind, like you're not included in on the joke. So I feel like oftentimes, like while it's nice for us, and we're like, "Oh, we could do whole videos just on Easter eggs," normal people don't care, <laughs> or they don't notice them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I, I get this sense, at least with me, and I don't know if. People feel this way, but like, you know, the Flash not doing well, um, yeah. Indiana Jones not doing well. I think people are looking for something new. Uh, Lacey, your point about the 80s thing, I think you're spot on. I'm very excited for the conclusion to Stranger Things, but I'm also ready to move on from it. 
I think it's sad that we are creating movies in 2020 in the 2020s or TV shows that feel like something that happened that feel like movies that were made 40 years ago. It's like the right. golden era was in the 80s and we're all trying to like make movies that feel that way. Why can't we make good movies that are happening today so that in 40 years people want to make movies that are like 2020? You know, well, I, I feel we are. We are. It, it's always going to move in those cycles. Like we're we're not making there was a point when they were making movies that were supposed to feel like they're from the the sixties or seventies, you know, like in the, we had the wonder mm-hmm. years or whatever. And that was a show that was in the nineties, but it was sure. supposed to feel pop like, culture you know, was, has been very stuck in the eighties though. And I think that kicked off with stranger things. Like it really has been stuck there. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, that's fair, but I, but I also think like, we'll get to, we'll probably get to a point. I'm assuming at some point where like, it feels like culture is stuck in the nineties. Or we'll be re- reliving the two early 2000s or something. And we're like, why can't media get past this era? Because it's some reason, it, it, for some reason, it's popular. But since we're on the topic of Stranger Things, I think that is one thing that Skeleton Crew is doing really well, is I think that Skeleton Crew so far has not marketed itself so much as get ready for the next Star Wars adventures you remember Star Wars Rebels or, you know, do you remember the original trilogy? It has leaned on Stranger Things and Amblin movies as its main thing to say, if you liked those things, that's what we're aiming for with this series. And also, side note, if you're into that, it's Mm -hmm. a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. It's a star. It's in that Star Wars world, but it does. Don't think of it as Star Wars. Think of it as Stranger Things and Amblin and those types of things that you can familiarize with. Whereas I don't think I've seen any other Star Wars properties say, "Oh, we're getting ready to do Obi Wan." Think of it as the Shawshank the Redemption. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, sort of. But but again, what I'm saying is they they have always led into Star Wars first. Like it's a Star Wars property, get excited. It's another Star Wars thing. And they've not said, here's what we're doing with this. Actually, the only other one that I can think of that maybe kind of does this a little bit is Andor because they say like it's it's sort of represented. But I don't even think they do that. I think that's mostly yeah. fans. They say the reason we like Andor is because it's a good show to start with, but also it's in Star Wars. But sure. also is the least watched show. I, well, I get that. My husband couldn't get into it. He got into 10 minutes and was like, this is boring him out. But again, Admiral's had a hard time with it. And he loves spy thriller shows. That's the show itself. I don't feel like that's a failure on what Lucasfilm is doing to get out of the legacy character era. I'm just saying in general, that's a show that like when that show came out, I thought my husband was going to love it because it's spies, crime, thriller type vibes, which is not my vibe. Mm-hmm. He got bored five, ten minutes in and never watched it again. I think Star Wars needs to make things that feel like Star Wars, but just aren't beholden to here's Luke Skywalker again, or you know, like right. the CGI Luke right. Skywalker thing. I prefer to a recasting only because uh I wouldn't see Luke Skywalker on screen if it was another actor. I'm sorry. I agree. I, I agree. You grew up with one. So either either don't do him or just do what you guys did. And you know the yep. people at ILM got jobs for it and paid for it. And I'm glad. But uh, 
it's I think you got to make Star Wars still feel like Star Wars in that way and tr- not try to you know Andor is its own thing because I know it's tied in with Rogue One and it was supposed to be that sort of dark thing mm-hmm. um, and I think it's good because it, it it's nominated for awards I don't think it's going to win but I think that's cool and it gives them you know what they're looking for uh, George Lucas didn't really care about awards but it's not his anymore I just. And and the other thing, which they haven't been able to figure out, George Lucas never figured out. And I think it's because Star Wars was just, it never came out in Asia for years and years and years. I think till the 90s, it didn't show up in like China. Mm-hmm. Is the international audience is just not there for Star Wars. And it never has been. Uh, aside from, you know, Europe uh, in some respects. But Asian markets and other markets that other stuff like Transformers and that type of stuff do really well in. Star Wars can't bank on that, so they are really stuff. Well, like, Transformers stuff like that do well typically internationally. Like one to one. I was one. Just blanking. I was like, "Isn't is trans? I guess Transformers is American." It's being. I mean, I was yeah, thinking it was the like last run was Michael Bay. Yeah. But, it's American, yeah. but in in Japan, like Gundam Wing is so huge over there. So I was going to say there was. Yeah, there was something about like I was just feeling like Transformers had this like anime vibe to it yeah. to like yeah, the eighties. Even other franchises London. do really yeah. well. Like Marvel does well uh, internationally, very well. Right. Star Wars right. never has. So so nope. they are unless until they figure out a way to really reach people. And I know they're trying with stuff like Visions, excuse me, and uh, other ways to branch out. Doing a celebration in Japan, uh, I. They need what to. What if just, they just had giant a Star Star Wars giant mecha, <laughs> like, like a Megazord thing? Yeah, like Another? they just go into the future and they're like, in the future, like in Star Wars, they people have suits and like these suits are super powerful and they have laser swords. You mean like Pacific Rim? Pacific Rim? I mean, yes, kind of, but like their own their own Star Wars version of it. You know? I I don't know. I I I would like Star Wars to not have to copy <laughs> other things you know honestly the creator to well, me from who, gareth who edwards are you copying at that point i mean are you copying godzilla are you copying transformers are you copying yeah, i mean star wars I mean, copies sort of like an, an stuff, idea yeah, yeah. true thank you but i feel like the creator from gareth edwards that's coming out is probably the most star wars looking thing that's not star wars to me more than rebel moon because uh, i haven't I seen the so. creator I haven't seen the creator stuff yet, to be honest. There's with you. a trailer out yeah. for the creator. Oh, it yeah? Looks okay. Because it's done by oh, ILM. Yeah, go check that out, man. It, oh, it looks, good for him, then. It looks yeah. insane. I think me and Lacey were talking about it when we were discussing the Rebel Moon versus the creator. And I, I was like, I think creator looks more Star a Wars. Bit better, yeah. Or something, you know, that is interest, interest intriguing me more. Like, if you had shown um, me that trailer and then told me nothing about it like i don't and you said what franchise do you think this is a part of i'd be like star wars right like it's it's star wars oh wow whereas rebel moon to me has a star wars ish look to it but it still banks on that kind of superhero for me and zach snyder still looks very kind of lord of the rings yeah whereas the creator it looks star wars like that's cool yeah it's got droids and robots and rebel moon feels a little bit more like um um valerian kind of yes you know? yes yes it's yes. like a fantasy that sort was of another thing. movie that like i was jupiter I ascending like sort jupiter of has like <laughs> i mean i know those aren't great movies but like what i'm saying is like there's a certain vibe to like a 
a fantasy style show. And that's why, yeah, like, movie. as much as we say Star Wars is, is fantasy and not sci-fi, like sometimes fantasy in that realm can get, even though there's like electronic things, it feels very fantasy over there. Whereas creator sometimes. looks very sci-fi. Creator looks more sci-fi. It looks like I, I, I likened it to, um, um, who did AI. It? um, no, oh, I did, but I said if AI was done by, um, Oppenheimer's director. Oh, oh Nolan. Nolan. Yeah. Christopher Nolan. It looks like AI if Christopher Nolan made the movie. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm anyway, all, all that being said is like, yeah, I think there's ways that you could do a, a, just a really cool looking movie and then be like, it's star Wars and people are like, well, that doesn't quite seem like star Wars. And it's like, well, we're it's, it's going to go that direction. That's where they are. Uh, you know, a hundred years from after Ray dies or whatever, you know, like they could just go that direction. But again, the biggest thing for me is I think they just need to make, they need to make shows that look intriguing first, and then people need to find out that they're actually star Wars. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think right now they're leading with star Wars and then yeah. hoping that that is the thing that, or the connectivity or the canon. They're like, Marvel's doing a great job of making everything connected. So let's let's keep doing that too. And I love that, but I don't want it to be, I don't like it when Marvel puts out a movie and says, you know, it, it feels like you have to have seen all these other things to enjoy this property too. If you have, it will probably be better, but it does start to stack up and wear on the average audience. And I think Marvel's, even themselves are feeling the effects of that. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's going to be tricky because I, especially with their Ant-Man and their Jonathan major stuff and like, uh Oh, (laughs) and we don't know if Disney is, you know, interested in spanning out too much because, you know, Augur was saying we're going to lean into our known things. So, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I mean, I and I, I thought of this topic just in the spirit of we know Star Wars is branching out, going past and future. But they're if they're going to keep going and make Star Wars for a long time, which I hope they do, they are going to have to eventually really detach. And it's this fictional galaxy. We've only really talked about a really small part of it and also a small chunk of time. So... There's opportunity, and I think there's other ways to do it in terms of reaching audiences. And I, I, I do think a big part of it is making movies for less money. Because I mean, Indiana Jones costs three hundred million dollars. It's like, insane what movies cost now. I was reading an article about Blair Witch Project and how little that cost and how much money they made. Well, I yeah, mean, this go, is why Bloomhouse exists because yeah, they've made but, they've made a. Uh, a system of this is how much movies should cost and you're not allowed to break that budget. And then they put it out and it makes a bunch of money and they've been able to make tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of movies. And that's why horror movies are doing so well in general. Yeah. Yeah, Because they make a really successful one will make a hundred million at the box office and it's 80% profitable. You know, there's yeah. basically only two horror studios. It's Bloomhouse and A24. And if that that's only if A24 is making a horror movie, they're making like an 11th Saw movie because of the success of those things. You yeah. know, it's crazy. And I'm not saying they're all great. I think most of them are probably not very good at all. 
You don't have to make good movies if every movie you make doubles the money. But we want Star Wars to make good movies. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying like that. What that is where we're at with movie studios is everybody is banking that the movie is going to be this huge box office hit. I think and it's like you can make smaller movies. I think they need to get more creative in how they're making movies. You know, sometimes having a lesser budget actually leads to a more artistic film. Uh, like what happened with Jaws and like the failing shark and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, I think superhero movies are on their way out or, or they're going to take a break or something like DC's yeah. rebooting in three years and we'll see it or two years or whatever it is. And I'm in, I'm very interested in that because I love Superman and Batman, but I agree like a nice break. will be okay for that. But for star Wars, like those were made in the spirit of independent movies. Like we all watched, um, light and magic and like a lot of those people weren't sure what they were doing and they had to like figure out ways to do things because they were limited with budget mm-hmm. i think that sometimes led leads to more artistic creativity and and like other ways to make you have to cool movies yeah so i and i think disney can still do that and may need to do that even though they're a big studio they're not just going to be like oh you're making a star wars movie 275 is your budget go for it like i would say like make a star wars movie for 110 million dollars you don't need big stars so don't worry about that Make me the best Star Wars movie you can for $110 million. Mm-hmm. New characters. Let's I agree. Go. Yeah. I they, mean, they're that's, gonna, that's across all Hollywood is try to figure out how to lower the budgets, studio budgets. I've been seeing more and more of that as we enter the writer strike and all that too. And it's interesting as they save money, like, oh, we just, we we have this machine now that lets us do anything we want. So we don't have to pay for locations. We don't have to travel all over the world. And it's like, we just have this machine. So it's a lot cheaper now, but it's like, okay. So then why is your budget for the movie going up? And why is nobody getting paid? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, but at the same time, movies? yeah. Right. But at the same time, a movie like Barbie is so great because it was done all with practical puppetry and like big purple or sorry, big pink sets. You know, they ran out of pink paint and stuff. So I think it's a case by case, but overall, I totally agree with you, James. I think you're going to see more and more of discussions of why are movies so expensive <laughs> and TV yeah. shows too. I mean, the, bu- yeah. the budget for Barbie is 145 million. Um, it's weird to think that that's modest, um, but also it's Barbie. Like Barbie is like my mom grew up with Barbie. Like right. people are going to go see it. Like older ladies are going to go see Barbie. And yeah. young young men are going to go see Barbie because it seems like they should be going. They're going to want to see Barbie. There's my. That's what I'm saying. Matt wants to see Barbie. I would say that Barbie is a big budget Barbie movie. They could have done a medium or a low budget Barbie movie, and it could have also been successful given whatever it was. If we're just using our imaginations here. I think this was a big budget Marvel movie. They put yeah. a lot into oh, the yeah. sets and everything and on the oh, marketing yeah. and the actors and all that. So it's definitely a big budget movie, even though it's 144. It's just, yeah. it's not 200 million. It's not 250 yeah. million. Or 300. Um, but like you said, John, you kind of bank, you know, what your brother thinks, right? Like, oh, that's yeah. kind of my gauge. Matt's my gauge. Cause he's like, he doesn't want to really see Indiana Jones, even though he likes Indiana Jones. He had no interest in seeing that. Why? Why? Can we, if I, Cause I'm very interested in that. He didn't feel the need to. He said it was overplayed. He was like, uh, I feel like really? they just haven't come back for to come back to make money. Oh, That's how they saw he saw it. He was like, Oh, they're just trying to bank on nostalgia. That's basically 
Whereas Barbie to him is something brand new. It's fresh. It looks funny. He was kind of annoyed that Will Ferrell's in it because he doesn't like Will Ferrell. However, he <sighs> did. Yeah, he doesn't like Will Ferrell. Uh, but he said every clip that he's seen of it or all the marketing has been so original that he knows that when he comes out of it, it's going to be something he's never seen before. Like the first trailer they released where it was like a play on that movie. I'm blanking on the title of it. 2001 Space Odyssey. Oh, Space Odyssey, yeah. He thought that was so creative and it was different. And so he was like, okay, it's not a superhero movie. Thank God. I want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought this was a good discussion. I wasn't sure where it was going to go. I know it was on the critical side of things uh, and more of the serious tone, but we like to branch out and do a lot of different vantage points and styles of podcasting uh, about this thing we love. Um, But it's all in the spirit of rooting for Star Wars to keep going and keep uh, inventing and creating new stories and being successful for generations to come. So our kids can enjoy it and uh, generations beyond that. Um, So I hope everyone enjoyed that. Uh, Let us know what you think. Um, You know, how does Star Wars stay uh, relevant and vital with new stories that aren't tied to these legacy characters um, doesn't mean we have to say goodbye to them, but if Star Wars is going to move forward, that's what they have to do. So we want to hear from you. Let us know. And also let us know what you thought about this chat. Uh, we look forward to always hearing your feedback on our points of view about these uh, discussion topics. So uh, thank you to everybody for listening and watching and being a part of TRB. It means such a great deal to us. Uh, like James said at the top, if you want to join us on Patreon, there's more content on there. So hop over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast and sign up and join the resistance. We appreciate that very much. And a special shout out to our generals and spice runners on Patreon. Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Chris Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Sneaky Zebra, Aaron Ellington, Micah Harrison, Colin Cormier, Jolton Jedi DiMaggio, Diana, and Dave Hornack. And then Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Thomas Hennessy, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Michael Fry, and the Fort Worthian. And to everyone who listens, watches, however you support TRB, it means a lot to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of people share our episodes. Whatever you do, it means a great deal. Uh, for me, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey, threads at Johnny Hoey. Uh, and Blue Sky, and I don't know. There's a lot of them. But usually, as of now, still Twitter. I'm hanging on by a thread, I guess. Uh, and yeah. my movie pod, just like the movies. Uh, James, how about you? Hanging on by threads. Nice. Twitter, Instagram, and threads, all at Myra Trunks. Very good. That's where you can find me. Uh, you can find me on basically every social media platform. Threads. Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, at Lacey Gillern. And then you can find me on TikTok at It's Lacey Gillern. All right. We hope everybody has a wonderful week. And we will see you next time with another episode right here on the Resistance Broadcast. See you around, kids. Mm-hmm.